Thanks for listening to the Underdog Podcast presented by the Riley Decker Companies. Please do us a favor and help us change and improve lives by subscribing and giving us a rating on the platform of your choice. Thank you. All right, we have a special guest today, Q, a.k.a. Quentin Morris. Welcome to the UDP. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you for having me. Yeah, coming from the Lone Star State, working out down there. A little hot, huh? Down in down in outside Houston, right? A little is probably not even the word. It's very hot. <laughs> well, before we digress on, on the heat this summer, um, you know, Quentin, man, I'm so excited to share your story from an undrafted free agent. We'll go back a ways, but to the, mo- the, the most talented, in my opinion, and many others, roster of the Buffalo Bills. I always say, like Chris Berman, the Buffalo Bills. So we're unbelievable, talented team. So for you to go from undrafted free agent to making that roster, congratulations. And to me that you're you know coming from Bowling Green, previously out of Richmond, Texas, George Ranch High School. Um, can't wait to, to go over your journey. Yes, sir. Yeah, it was it was a long one. <laughs> yeah, well, let's get into it. Let's share it. You know, the Underdog Podcast, you know, we like to share the journeys of overcoming adversity to have success. So let's start up, you know, kind of in Richmond, right? You be, you were a state champion in high school. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Junior year. So, so junior year, you're a state champion in, in great football state, arguably the, the best, you know, one of the top best, if not the best. I'm sure you would say it is the best football in the country in the, at the high school level. But then you you don't get many offers, right? And you go to Bowling Green, which I'm a Mac guy. Shout out to the Maction. Um, but can you kind of talk about you know that feeling of you know being from Texas and then you have to go to Ohio into the Mac and and you didn't get offers from the likes of Texas, Texas A and M, and kind of the big schools in Texas. Yeah, I mean it. It's it was definitely a journey. Uh, I wouldn't take it back for anything, but so I started off, um, obviously went to George Ranch High School my junior year. I mean, all, all four of my years there, I mean, we had a pretty good team, just loaded with guys, a new school, and we won the state championship my junior year. And so after my junior year, that's, I think that's when like my few offers did kind of start rolling in. Um, but still, you know, nothing that, you know, really just kind of jumped off the jumped off the page at you, um, kind of still wanting more. Um, but I mean, it, it was definitely hard. And then going into my senior year, I ended up breaking my collarbone for like the second time. I broke it once in junior junior high. Um, so that was kind of a rough process, kind of like it was a very big setback for me. Um, kind of got quiet for a little bit. Luckily I had already committed to Bowling Green and, you know, they stayed loyal to me and um, it was just kind of a rough process. Missed about half the season that year and um, kind of the offer stopped, you know, coming in, the talk stopped happening. And, you know, of course, then you got going from Texas all the way across the country to Ohio, like 12,000 some miles. So, I mean, not 12,000, a hundred, uh, no, one thousand. It's a long. It's a long way. It's 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 yeah, a, a long way, a long way. So, <laughs> um, that was definitely you know a change. I think for me, um, I'm a real independent person, so I kind of like kind of going away and 
you know, being away from the family. I think the biggest adjustment was probably that weather, dealing with snow, learning to drive in it and got to wake up a little earlier, get the car warm. And especially with those 5 a.m. practices and (laughs) you just upset about it. But um, I mean, again, it was just all about, you know, trusting the process and, you know, understanding that God has a plan and this is the route we're going to take. This is the route we're going to take. And then kind of looking back on it a little bit now, it's like, I really couldn't see myself going anywhere else other than Bowling Green, even though before I went to Bowling Green, I couldn't tell you anything about Bowling Green. Yeah, no, actually, we have a unique uh, connection here. So I was born in Finley, Ohio, which is not far from Bowling Green. My mom actually went to Bowling Green, but then we moved to uh, Houston, Texas. So but I was all between the age of, you know, newborn to 10. So I, I get I remember going to Texas, even though I was super little, but I maybe hit age five and you just sweat. You walk outside and it's just like, especially in, in Houston, it's like hu- humid as all could be. But then you go back to like the north and then you're freezing. And, and outside of Bowling Green in northwest Ohio, I was just up there. My grandpa still farms at the age of 90. Crazy. But man, you're, I was up there like in May and it's freezing. It's like Buffalo, I bet. I mean, the winds in northwest Ohio, you're like, it's it's insane. So anyway, it's, it is a drastic culture. So I imagine you coming from Richmond, Texas and being a state champion as a junior and going through that adversity, then hitting Bowling Green. And I know you guys had some adversity, you know, inside of, you know, from a record perspective, and then you're transitioning right from a wide receiver to tight end. And that's not easy in itself. Right. And so, um, can you kind of talk through, you know, that you're, you're, you know, then you got as a senior, not to jump too far ahead, but you were first team all Mac as a junior, you were second team, over 1,500 total career yards and 13 tutties. So you were uh, made an impact as a true freshman. So you had a one heck of a career with the, with the Falcons there in Bowling Green. Can you talk about your journey and any adversity or successes you had at Bowling Green? Oh, yeah, definitely. So my first year coming into a freshman, I mean, coming into Bowling Green, I feel like it's kind of like high school. You start that process over again. You're coming in as a freshman in high school, you got to kind of prove yourself all over again. And so when I got to Bowling Green, it's like, okay, it's college. Everybody, wherever they came from, they were probably the guy, the man, wherever they came from. So I remember we, you know, we did a few workouts and stuff, had a couple of the older guys, like a little seven on seven, kind of without the coaches, just kind of just getting a feel for players and stuff. And I kind of went out there and I was just like, you know, I'm gonna beat me and take care of business. Like at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm, I play Texas high school football. So I, I, I'm going to believe we're the, we're the top of the crop anyway. So kind of went out there kind of made a name for myself and, um, you know, guys started to trust me, um, and kind of took off from there. Coach trusted me, um, made a few plays. My, uh, my freshman year, I was actually kind of backing up, um, I think you had him on the uh, on the podcast before, uh, Scotty. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we're two two totally different type of receivers at the time, but uh, kind of backing up him and learning a lot from him. He's a quick little son of a gun. So, um, but um, kind of played in that role and kind of the, I actually kind of was used somewhat as a tight end uh, type style my first year and then my second year. Um, so crazy thing, my second year, I actually broke my collarbone for the third time uh, before but going, uh, I want to say it was a summer, 
kind of doing summer workouts, getting ready for the season. So that was like a, that was another setback that kind of, I mean, it just tore me apart. I'm like, I'm just the most fragile thing. I just can't. And I really blame basketball the longest because I could never just put on the weight because I would just get so skinny playing basketball. And um, so then there's that that happened my, my sophomore year. But then I, it was a long summer. Like for me, it was like a lot of, just a lot of stress, not knowing what the future. I'm just like, I'm going to just be labeled as an injury prone guy. And so that, that, that kind of set me back a little bit. Um, but kind of got with my strength coach at the time. Uh, I think he was coach Dennis at the time. And, uh, you know, I got one-on-one with him and I was like, just, just get me back. And, you know, we stayed up there, just me and him. And, you know, we were just working to get back. And I was in, best shape of my life and got back in time for the season and I put up pretty good numbers uh my my sophomore year at receiver and then of course like you were saying record wise then another setback happens like I think towards the end of the season we got a coaching change and um or yeah we got a coaching change at the end of the season so then we had a a new coach come in Scott Lefner and I was already like a, a bigger receiver. I was like six, six, two, two twenty five or so. And he came from a Boston College um, offense where they already used a lot of tight ends. So I remember him coming up to me and, you know, kind of talking about it. And he was like, OK, like how like I got a transition for you, like for a tight end. And at the time, I'm still like I had never played tight end. I'm like, I want to be scoring. I want to be in the end zone. I want to be blocking all day. Like. Um, but then like, I kind of, as I started to learn more about the position and we kind of went through, a um, but that next spring kind of working through like, okay, this is what, you know, tight ends about. I was like, okay, like I, I don't mind this. And so made the transition, uh, the tight end, um, and just kind of embraced it. And like you said, it's definitely a different, you know, it's a whole nother change because tight end is just almost like being every position on the field like you might as well be the quarterback running back o-lineman and the receiver because you gotta you gotta know everything as far as protection wise you gotta know blocking schemes as far as a run game and then you still gotta be able to go out there and run routes and stuff and then you're so versatile with your your size and your speed that you still get put in like positions like i'm at that point, I'm like 240 and I'm running screens and stuff. And I'm like, uh, but I mean, I was carrying away pretty good and still had my my speed and stuff. So, uh, I mean, it definitely expanded your, you know, your toolbox a little bit. And I think it just it kind of helped me from and then with uh, Lefner coming in and kind of showing us like, I mean, he lives in the pro style offense. So I think that really helped develop me for the next level far as the NFL goes and stuff, but like kind of going into that year, uh, Grant was the quarterback then. And I mean, we had a great year. I think that was the year, um, you know, Grant, Grant was feeding me the ball. I was, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you were uh, the go-to guy, man. You were, you were, yeah, I, was I was watching like, film and I was like, holy cow, this, this Quentin guy, this Q guy, I keep hearing Q, Q, Q. And, and sure enough, man, you throw on the film and you're making plays, you're climbing the ladder to get jump balls. You're, you're taking screens to the house. I'm like, 
cutting across the grain. I'm like, wait, this guy's now a, a, a tight end. Yeah, it's like, you know, physically gifted. But I think Q to just kind of sit on, there's so many things I say these, I call them knowledge nuggets and transferable knowledge that can go into any person's life, whether it's business, life, athletics. But what you said is, you know, embracing change. I heard that, right? You had a clear vision. You want to be elite at what you 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 were going to do. And you were kind of like a tweener. It sounds like a large wide receiver. But hey, if you're willing, and a lot of people don't know, that don't know the game of football, like going from receiver to tight end, as you said, is a huge transition. So what was asked, you met with optimism, and then you went and executed with one, you had to build your body up to have more weight because you're down there in the trenches now at times, you know, with big bodies, right? So you got to be able to block but you still got to have the mobility to be elusive, as you had mentioned, in screen plays or short that you, short yardage plays that can then go into larger you know, yards after catch and or to extend the field to, to go vertical over top of the defense. So people that don't know, as you would say, I think the, the tight end is a premium position, as people are seeing now, inside the National Football League. Um, but it sounds like those are all tangible things that then inevitably lead to right, the senior bowl. Um, but what surprised me, Q, was you go to the senior bowl. It sounds like it goes pretty well. And I know that was kind of during the COVID piece, but you still don't get drafted. Did you feel disrespected after going to the senior bowl, putting up the stats you did, being first team all Mac and still not getting drafted? What was that? I mean, does that kind of fuel your fire? Does that not really drive you? You're not focused. Is that, you know, some people use those chips. And it keeps in the back of their mind, undrafted, went to the senior bowl, bowled out, balled out, but don't get drafted. You know, does that that does that kind of be up in your brain and drive you every so often? Yeah, it definitely it definitely lit a fire. Um, because like I said, going into it, um, you know, I thought I had, you know, a pretty good performance, uh, you know, made some pretty good plays in the in the game and stuff. And um you know, kind of in hope that that would draw a little more attention um, to me and uh, kind of help me in my case as far as the next level and, you know, getting drafted. And then, you know, kind of go back to training and then we have the um, just kind of attacking training and stuff. And then they start sending out it was COVID at the time. So they started out, you know, kind of sending out the invitations for the combine, but you weren't going to the combine. They were just doing it at your school or whatever. And I never got a invite from the, for the combine or anything either. So that kind of, you know, tore me down a little bit and, um, wasn't getting, uh, I started the, the noise that started to pick up as we got closer to the draft, I started hearing from more teams kind of getting on a lot of zoom calls and stuff. But at the end of the day, I was just like, man, I didn't get a, a invite or so I'm like, I don't know if they, you know, they're looking at me, they're not looking at me. Um, so, but then like, I kind of just, uh, you know, I'm on social media, I'm Googling my name and, and stuff and trying to see what the hype is. And then eventually I just, there's a point where you just got to turn all that stuff off and just say, Hey, like, I'm going to just lock in uh, making sure I'm getting my body right. So whenever I go to this pro day, I catch some eyes and stuff. So I, I, um, I'm just attacking training. I'm in Dallas at the time at with MJP and um with Rob the um um the, with D Rob, he trains like a bunch of receivers, a bunch of tight ends and stuff. And you know, me and him are just at it at every day and just getting after it. And I go to my pro day and I'm just chiseled up and guys are like, 
you know, kind of they saw like a a change from that senior bowl to that pro day, and they could tell that there was like a, a fire lit under me. And then so I go through that, you know, perform good, um, you know, catch everything, put up good numbers, jump well, run well. And then, of course, we have the draft. So for the draft, I had uh, a little bit of family over. I was just like, oh, I don't really want nothing big because, you know, there's no telling. And then it's kind of, you know, it's hard to sit there in a room with everybody kind of eyes on you and just watching the TV. And so, you know, of course, it's a long process. I mean, you got the first, second, third day. So first day I, I was tuned in, but I, you know, I kind of you got to be honest with yourself. And I didn't really expect that. Um, second day, you know, I might've been peeking at it still, who knows, maybe. And then the third day is just like, I'm sitting there and it's starting to get a little antsy. Um, and then I'm just like, man, like checking the phone, every notification you think it's, you know, a coach or something. And then sometimes somebody would call me. I'm like, Hey, not right now. Like <laughs> I'm locked in. <laughs> it was not a good time. So, um, and then of course, towards the end of it, like, as the draft was closing, hadn't got any calls. Um, and then I started a little bit more towards the end. I got a call from a couple teams. I think it was the Bills. Uh, I want to say Bengals and a few other teams or something. And they were just like, hey, like we uh, if nobody grabs you here, you know, we want to we want to sign you. And uh, so with the Bills, we me and my agent, we kind of had like a list of like kind of breaking down rosters, like what's the best case scenario as far as, you know, earning a job and being able to come in, um, you know, have an opportunity to, you know, play and, you know, prove yourself. And so Bills was like the best option at the time. And the Bills were the first ones that called. So it was a perfect situation. And um, so I got the call and they said um, they're going to sign me as a undrafted free agent. And my face kind of lit up. I mean, at the end of the day, I was still down because, of course, everybody wants to hear their name called on TV. Uh, it's just something you dream about as a kid, but also something you dream about is just to be a part of the NFL in general. So that was kind of a, a, a sigh of relief and um, was able to tell the family afterwards, like, hey, I'll be signing with the uh, the Bills. I'll be going to New York. So, you know, it was a, it was a long, hard process. It was definitely – frustrating, overwhelming at times. But at the end of the day, you know, I got the call one way or another. And I just like, for me, it was all I need to do is get a foot in the door and I can handle the rest. Like as long as I can get in front where I can have some eyes on me, I can handle it from there. So love that. And then, so you get to Buffalo, right, Quentin? And then it's now, now you're in a sea of what they bring in, um, what a hundred and there's 105, enter camp or 100 plus and they keep what 55 and active or something like that and 65 total with with the practice squad so walk through the, the now you're walking in with uh josh allen and you know stefan diggs and that you go from a room with uh scotty miller and grant Loy to uh stefan diggs and and uh josh allen so two great rooms i tell you what that's the bowling green room holy heck now you're going into the, this this next next room. Take me through the process of, of of getting into camp there with Buffalo, and then in through the season. And I know uh, once again you guys are loaded with talent. Didn't have the, the I think the outcome that everyone wanted, obviously, but um, 
tons of opportunity. So kind of walk through your rookie year and, and making the team or being on practice squad activated, all those different things uh, and, and how that all went down. Yeah, so um, kind of coming in, uh, first day, you know, we get there, we go through all our little medical tests, everything, kind of meet coaches and everything. And all the players, I think the first day, you know, we're all working out together. It's just like, I think everybody's kind of just tense. Nobody's talking. Everybody's, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. You know, just everybody's just uptight. And I mean, it's just funny looking back because we were talking about this not too long ago. And we're all so comfortable now around the coaches and kind of laugh and joke around a little bit. But you could just kind of just see us like get more and more comfortable. Um, but yeah, so we, you know, we go in there, we have um, uh, the rookie mini camp. I go out there and doing a lot of one-on-ones and, you know, making, I made a lot of good, great plays and stuff. And I think for me, as far as my individual performance, I kind of jumped off the, you know, page a little bit. And so I remember the first day, like the vets weren't there yet, but like the next week the vets came in and that's when I met like the, the Josh Allen, the Cole Beasley at the time. Um, um, Steph was probably still somewhere in another state or something at the time, but, uh, I met, a um, Josh. So Josh, uh, was walking past my locker and he's, you know, Josh is a good guy. So he came and just introduced himself to all the rookies and stuff. And so I remember him coming up to me and he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, Hey, I'm Josh. In my head. I'm like, Dude, I know, like everybody knows who you are. Uh, and then he's like, and then I'm like, hey, I'm Q. And he said back, he's like, oh, you're Q. He's like, you're the one, like, you know, they were talking about. So I'm like, they were talking about me? Like, that's like, that's always good news, especially if the starting quarterback is coming up to you saying that. So that was something that kind of like, you know, boosted, boosted my confidence, made me feel like I kind of belong. Um. So, yeah, that was just something memorable that, you know, kind of stuck with me. And then, of course, you go through um, and then eventually everybody comes back and then you go through an OTA. And then, of course, you go through OTAs. Everybody comes back. Uh, most of the guys were there. Um, and then you start getting more piled onto your plate. Like rookie camp was like simple or I mean, it was still somewhat complex just because like the Bills offense is kind of complex. Um, but then you start getting more and more on your plate. You got to I mean, there's just so much. It's different than watching it on TV. There's so much more that that I see now goes on behind the scenes. And it's a lot more. It's a, it's a bigger step as far as the mental side of it than I could have ever imagined. And um, just kind of going through that process and then having to go out there and be able to think fast and play fast. And some of these guys have been in the league eight plus years and they kind of know what's going to happen before it happens. So, um, it's, I mean, it was, it was a lot. And I mean, I think I still, you know, did good, obviously so much room to grow. And then going into the preseason, that's when you, your grim reapers come in and that's when guys every day are fighting, fighting to, to stay fighting to feed their families and everything. I mean, you got to think some of these guys are, uh, going on 30 and stuff. And, you know, everybody got family and people aren't trying to pick up and move. So, I mean, it's a constant fight every day. It's, you know, physically and mentally just challenging. 
Um, so like going into preseason game one, um, I think it was Detroit. I want to say I had maybe uh, one catch in that game, um, kind of did a lot of things blocking wise, um, did good. But I just remember being on the field. I'm just like looking around, just like, I'm playing like in the NFL, like this is just wild. And um, I think that game came down to like the last few seconds. Like we had a drive going like a field goal to win it. And I was in the game on the last that last drive. And it was just like everything was happening so fast. And you just got to think you got to be able to think, think. And at the time, I mean, of course, we're most of the rookies were in at that point and we're all still trying to remember plays and everybody's just thinking. Um, but, you know, I think like I handled it well. I think. The rest of the guys handled it well. And it was just, I mean, it was just an experience in general. And then after that first preseason game, that next, that next week coming in like Monday or Tuesday is like a cut. So like, um, I remember walking in and there's like, uh, I want to say maybe like for the first cut, it might be like eight guys or so or 10. And I remember the guys standing there and they're just like, they had grabbed somebody in front of me and I kind of like, I had heard the stories already. They said, watch out for the grim reapers. Like you don't <laughs> want them to, you know, walk in, tap you, grab your iPad, something like that. And then, so they were like walking guys through and you see guys like grown men in there, just, you know, upset, crying, um, you know, got their pa- iPad, you got to turn it in. And I mean, it was, it was scary to see. It's like, yeah. and then of course, after that, you know, you have your next game and then the process repeats because you got to keep cutting it down to 53. So the second week comes uh, that game. Um, and then the next week they do another they do another cut. And so I just after seeing the first week, I'm like, OK, we're getting closer and closer now. So I literally would just sit in the parking lot for just like a couple seconds. And then I just open the door and I just like walk down it, it sucks too because it's like this long little pathway to go into the stadium or go into like the facility and you just got to kind of look at everything ahead of you and it's like I just kind of want to just look down and act like I'm on my phone or something and but then I walked through second day totally fine nobody you know grabbed me talked to me nothing I'm like okay made it to fight another day and stuff and then of course the third day is like or the third week is the um, that's like the last cut, like this is going to be our 53. So, um, the last, after the last game happens, we come in that third week. And, um, of course I ended up getting like a, so I got a phone call and it was like a, it was a Buffalo number. And I'm like, Oh goodness. Like this is, this is it. Like I could be done like playing football forever or who knows, or I could be end up somewhere else. Who knows? So I just remember like just breathing and then like just like picking it up and I'm like, hello. And they're like, hey, like, you know, you, you know, you did good. You did, you know, great things and stuff. Unfortunately, like this is what we're going to do. Um, but you're one of those players that it's like, you know, you're not you didn't make the roster quite yet. But like we want to still bring you back if nobody else picks you up. So that was a little bit relieving, but at the end of the day, it was still like hard. And then I had to walk in there. And then of course that's eventually they would grab you, but it kind of helped just already having the phone call, kind of knowing what you're walking into where some guys just walk in there and they found out they thinking they're about to go practice today. And it's like, uh, no, just come this way. And I said, it could have been different. Like, you know, some of the guys 
walked the man there on flights within the next few hours, literally. And then, you know, for me, of course, I had the opportunity to just said, hey, you know, stay around um, because if nobody calls to claim um, you off waivers or whatever, you're coming back here. And so I was just like, OK, like at least they when they do that, I think it just kind of tells you they see something in you. You might not be ready yet. But like they see something and they can work with something. So that was kind of re- uh, relieving for me. And then kind of just going through that year on the practice squad, you know, obviously like, you know, they demand a lot from you in practice. And and at the same time, you're still trying to learn and pick up on reps so you can if scenario happens where you're called up you and you got to go in there and you don't mess up your opportunity. So it's definitely a lot from that standpoint. And then, of course, I ended up getting activated um, towards the middle of the or somewhat between the middle or towards the end of the season. And, you know, that was obviously a blessing and stuff. Um, Still didn't really get to run around like I wanted to. um, But, I mean, it's a blessing nonetheless. And kind of even then just kind of still experiencing, um, kind of just traveling to those games, kind of seeing what the whole game atmosphere, what it's like, and just like just kind of learning from kind of a little bit still outside looking in and just knowing like, like this is the next step and. Um, so kind of this year, um, just again, trying to go into OTAs and have a, a different mindset of like, how can I be like a true pro where they actually believe in me and want to put the ball in my hand and say, Hey, you go win this game or something like that, or whatever role I can come in, whether it's special teams, whether it's playing tight end or whatever, you know, wherever they need you, just being able to be that plug in and play peace and just say, okay, we trust Q we know he's going to handle it. So yeah, well, I can't wait to watch you, and and I know you'll be competing like crazy. I know, uh, you know, one of the quotes I have here from your former teammate Grant. There, he said, uh, "Always made plays, never complained about anything. Has always worked for everything that he's gotten." So I know it sounds like you'll be doing just that. A few things I always find a curiosity, like thinking of, all right, we're in the micro as I call it. So it's focusing on Q and his journey. Let's step out just for a minute as we come towards the end here. And talk about the macro, the Buffalo Bills. What you know, you hear on TV or in news outlets, the the culture is is good or great, depending on who you hear from in Buffalo. Can you talk like what are some of the? I mean, I, when at Miami we talked about like when what's important now or um, relentless effort, all, you know, all those different kind of ackermans or belief systems. What what is the Buffalo Bills? you know, cultural values or, or your guys's vision? I think the best way to describe the Buffalo Bills culture would be uh playoff caliber. That's kind of like, uh, kind of what, uh, our, our head coach, uh, Sean McDermott kind of goes by and, you know, us as a players, we kind of embrace that, but playoff co- caliber is just kind of doing everything to a certain, you know, a certain level. So like, you want to make the playoffs, you got to do things at a playoff caliber, whether that's, you know, from a mental mental standpoint, whether it's a physical standpoint, whether it's how you carry yourself outside and off the field and stuff. And uh, I think that kind of like best describes how all aspects of the job should be carried and it should be playoff caliber. And once we finally get over that playoff hump, then it becomes championship caliber. And that's just like our way. And 
I think as far as like the culture in general, like around the building, I think a lot of it falls behind our quarterback. Like he's real. Josh is a goofball and he's laid back, but at the same time, he has like a balance. It's like there's a goofy side. And then at the same time, there's a business side. And I feel like our team probably has the, I mean, I haven't been anywhere else. so I can tell you what other places are like, but I know in our locker room, and even a lot of guys that, you know, come in from different teams are like, it's not like this everywhere. Like, I mean, we have like, you know, great coaches and stuff. And some places you go to, it's like just business. Some people, some places you go to, it's just like, you know, you're not locked in. It's like a goofy too much and not serious enough. But here it's like the perfect balance. You know, guys are laid back. So you can kind of, um, you know, not not be like as com- I don't want to say comfortable, but like you can kind of lay back and, you know, you're not too worried all the time about going out there and performing because like everybody around you kind of embraces you. We have like a good group of veterans. And so like you can have fun, but at the same time, as long as like you go on the field and you're handling your business, you know, nobody's saying anything. So I feel like it's the perfect balance. And like I said, it's just a really goofy team. Like I have so much fun, like going to the facility and I mean, we have so many personalities. I tell people all the time, like if they ever do like a a hard knocks or a, just a documentary in general, like on this team and they just have cameras around the building all day, they would see some crazy personalities. Oh man. That sounds like a blast. Um, Bill's mafia. Last question. Man, I, I'm a Browns fan, so I grew up born and raised Cleveland fan, and I'm sure you ran into a lot of those in Northwest Ohio when you were at Bowling Green. But diehard fan base in Cleveland. I think Buffalo, though, as much as I love my Brownies, I mean, Buffalo's up there, and, and the Bills Mafia is is getting more notoriety these days, almost more than any fan base, and they're jumping on these tables. Have you have you done any of these table stuff where you're jumping off? And I know you got to be careful with that collarbone and your body, but man, this is, this is some wild stuff. These guys are doing. Yeah, it is insane. I said one of these days I will have to go through one just for the <laughs> culture. Um, but I mean, they're, I mean, I don't even know how to describe them. They're insane. They're everywhere you go. First of all, um, I want to say the Miami game last year, there's like, more Buffalo Bills fans in Miami than there were for the Dolphins and just anywhere you go. I feel like you just, you see somebody with like, I I was walking in the airport one time um, and I had on maybe like some Bills slide and somebody walked by and I'm like, go Bills. I'm like, I mean, it's just like, and I'm like, go Bills back because you just got to say it back and uh, I mean, they're everywhere. I just like, I don't know if it's just because I'm on the team now and I just feel like I see it so much, but it's like they're everywhere. And then, of course, uh, I mean, they're insane, too. Like, I remember tweeting out some before I went to Buffalo, just kind of hearing all the talk about the Bills fans, Bills Mafia in general. And I was like, nah, I was like, they're not, you know, they're nothing too crazy. And I kind of like, I think I kind of challenged them and stuff. And then just kind of going through it. And like, I remember like a practice, they were like, just like we were in the stadium and people were just like packed in there. Like it was a game. And I'm like, sheesh. And then, uh, and then I remember, I want to say it was like two days before a game, we're coming out of like one of the meetings 
the game's still like 48 hours away. And like we're coming out and there's like people in RVs and stuff and just already tailgating. And they're just like, you know, we're honking at them, kind of leaving the facility. I'm like, y'all, you know, you still have like 48 hours until we play. Like you guys are going to be out here all night. And and then even too when even when it started getting cold, I'm like, okay, like this is insane. And I mean, I wouldn't change it for I I mean, I love them to death. And they're they're just so they're so loyal. And anybody coming in our house, they're gonna let them have it. And I mean, it it's it's a great time and they make it a party in there. And I think I wanna say the Patriots playoff game was probably like the best atmosphere um in that stadium, just like it was a night game. They cut off the lights. We're coming out, and it was just loud in there. Flashlights on. Bills Mafia being Bills Mafia. Mm. Oh, it was just. It was amazing. It's a dream. It's a dream come true, my friend. So I hope. And the players are very interactive with them too. So it's it's great. Yeah, you guys seem to embrace embrace the community for sure. Uh, talking about community. Last thing I actually did want to touch upon. Uh, you have an older brother with special needs. I think this is something the the what you're doing off the field is, is super important here. You spend a lot of time. I was obviously looking at some of the things you're doing with special needs in Buffalo community. Can you kind of touch upon, you know, what it's like to, you know, maybe the having a brother with special needs and how that kind of puts things into reality for you. And and then the cause of you working with kids with special needs. Yeah. So my, my brother, of course, like you said, has special needs and kind of just working Kind of working with him and then I kind of in high school, I volunteered to, you know, help work with the kids because I know like it's not for everybody. Not everybody understands the kids. And I feel like having a brother kind of taught me and made me more so understand, like, you know, where a lot of the kids are coming from. And my brother was also very involved in Special Olympics. And I spent a lot of time around the kids, even my whole family. We even won like family of the year. I want to say a couple of times just because like we're so involved in, you know, the special needs community and special Olympics specifically. Um, and, you know, just traveling all over the place, you know, with the kids. And I mean, they're, I mean, it's just a great group of kids. And for me, it definitely one, I mean, I do it just because, you know, I love the kids in general. I love my brother and, you know, I want to be there and support him as much as he supports me. And then also too, like I build a lot of relationships with a lot of the kids that I meet through uh, Special Olympics and kind of for me too, as like, I feel like I have a duty to not let them down because they like seeing me there. They like having me around. They like having my family around in general. And, you know, I like just being there to help and assist and kind of help develop the kids and kind of going into uh, Buffalo. uh, And also too, I remember my dad just asking me like, you know, kind of what's going to be my, like, what's my thing that I kind of give back towards. And it was just like, my, you know, my brother, like Special Olympics, that's going to be my thing. That's what I want to give. That's like what my cause is going to go to. And um, kind of so we have like towards the end of the year, uh, end of the season, we have like the my call, my my cause, my cleats. Basically, we put like on our cleats or whatever, you know, whatever our cause is. And I put Special Olympics on there and um, our HR with the bills. They're like, hey, like. Hugh has like an interest in Special Olympics and they kind of talked to me and then started getting a lot more information on my backstory and my kind of my connection with Special Olympics. And like I I told I told them, I'm like, I mean, anything like Special Olympics, like 
or you know special needs or kids with disabilities in general like call me text me like I have no problem being there it's like 10 times out of 10 I'm probably saying yes unless like I just can't be there for like uh you know obviously practice reasons or you know game reasons or something like that um but I was like yeah you know I love to work with the kids so in Buffalo I think we had they had like a unified sports uh, thing for Special Olympics for basketball. So I said, yeah, like, of course, I'll go over there. And I spent a little time with the kids, um, you know, handed out medals to the kids and they enjoyed that. Took a bunch of pictures, signed a bunch of shirts and stuff and just anything to see the kids smile and stuff. And, you know, they're just so excited to just have you in their presence. And uh, that's a, another big thing. Like, I mean, I think us as players, we don't realize how much of an influence and how much of an impact that we have on uh, people, like anybody in general, but especially to those kids. Um, and then we had, there was another, uh, so when I was there, some of the kids were like, you got to come to the, to the, um, I forget what the name is, like the bowl. It was like a, it was like a flag football unified thing. It's like the something bowl. And I was like, why not? Like, I'll come next week. And I think uh, like some of them like thought I was kidding. So the next week I showed up there and they're like, man, like we're starting to see you a lot. And uh, one of my one of my buddies that I kind of met, his name is Blake. So um, um, through uh, Special Olympics and stuff, he he's always excited to see me. And it's yeah. like, we see each other all the time now. Like we're best, <laughs> we're best friends. And then they had another event. So we had a um, a guy on our team named Harrison Phillips uh, ended up getting traded to the Vikings, but he did a lot with the uh, special needs community while he was in Buffalo. So uh, I kind of reached out to him and I'm like, Hey, like, you know, you know, just because he's gone now, doesn't mean like this shouldn't continue on. So I'm like, obviously I know he's going to be in Minnesota. So I'm like, how can like just guide me through this and connect? And I've been connected with him. And I'm like, how can I like help so we can like continue this on? Like when you live, leave. So it was the Harrison Phillips, the playmakers. Um, so I'm like, uh, that was like the most recent one I did. And I'm, uh, you might've seen the video of me interviewing. That was my yeah. friend, Bl- my buddy Blake right there. Yep. Uh, Love it. Um, so yeah, doing that and kind of just getting with him, trying to figure out and some of the other players too, trying to figure out how we can kind of keep that going with him being gone to stay one, stay engaged with the community and to just, too, just because it's something like I really want to do for those kids and stuff because uh, they really enjoy it and they have a good time. So that's kind of my why, just with my my brother's background. And I, I I'm, yeah, again, I just learned to, to love those kids. And well, that's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love watching those videos. If, if, if uh, you get an opportunity, uh, Q is a must follow. Speaking of that, um, before we, 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 uh, get off here, can you allow, or can you provide, I should say the listeners, your handles of how to follow Quentin Morris online, Twitter, Instagram, any of those handles you have? Yeah. So my Instagram will be Quentin, uh, ooh, what is my Instagram? <laughs> Quentin uh, Morris something. It's Quentin <laughs> Morris, uh, underscore. I want to say, um, or you can follow me on Twitter, uh, Quinn.Morris. So I'm on either of those. Or if it's not Quinn.Morris, it's Quinn Morris underscore. Um, so, yeah, that's where you guys can follow me and kind of keep up to 
my day and how I live. And you'll probably see a lot of golfing on there lately too. So. <laughs> I might have to take some lessons from you. So what's the best score you've shot on 18 out of curiosity? Um, well, so I haven't really done a, I've really only been doing it for like maybe a month now. Oh, okay. But, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't want to too much brag about my scores because there's not much to brag about, but I've been doing like a lot of scrambles. So I'll have like a partner just in go. case like I miss it. Um, yeah, that's, so, that's fantastic. So what's your best, uh, what, what you drive, you know, kind of your iron game or is it putter? What's, what's the, the first I, month of I golf? What's say, your best part of your game? I'd say putting and I'm a big fan of the wedge. Okay. Big, All right. I'm a big wedge guy. I'm, I'm working on the, on the driver. Cause like, if I can connect, I'm good. Like we get some real distance out of there, but Hey, there's some real, a, you've been, if you've mean yeah. slice. I have a mean slice right now. So uh, you, you can work, work on that. On. There's some, there's some big money in that live that's going on over there. I don't know what it is. I just see money flying off on ESPN.com every day. These guys are making 200 million, 150 million, 2 million just to sign up for a tournament. I'm like, dude, this is golf. You don't have to worry about your body as much. I mean, I know there's, you know, some wear and tear, but not, not like football and the money flying around. It's like, whoo, man, it's insanity right now. But anyway, Q, uh, man, this was awesome. So many knowledge nuggets, inspirational, definitely, uh, the underdog heart, you know, we're all rooting for you. Now you got a, a community and a platform underdog nation. And I call them UDP nation is definitely fan of, of Quentin Q Morris. So thank you brother for, for joining us. Thank you for having me, man. Thanks for listening to the underdog podcast presented by the Riley Decker companies. Please do us a favor and help us change and improve lives by subscribing and giving us a rating on the platform of your choice. Thank you.